Good morning. It's good to see you guys this morning. Glad to have you all with us. You made it through another week and another award show. That's all I'm going to say about that. Man, we are we really are glad to have you this uh, this morning. We uh, we're starting into uh, a short series here, just kind of. Uh, going ahead and launching us into Easter, if you will, and the Holy Week. And uh, there was so much that happened during Holy Week. Uh, you know, the week that Jesus died, talking about the actual time, you know, that that happened 2,000 years ago. Um, you know, there's so much that happened in that week, so many different things. Some of my, so one of my favorite passages in there, I'll probably bring that up later on in the series, but, uh, you know, Easter's coming here in a, a few weeks, obviously. And, uh, you know, we just said let's 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 hit you know some of the things that happened you know leading up to that and talk about some of those things and and so that's what we're doing and uh, today we're starting uh, in uh, John chapter one. In fact, if you've got a Bible and you want to get it out, great. If you don't have a Bible, uh, let our ushers bring you one. Uh, we're going to be going uh, through a through a, a large bunch of scripture today, but all right in one spot out of John eleven. Uh, would love for you to join us with that. Uh, by the way, if you don't own a Bible, you can keep that one. Uh, just uh, take it with you. We'd love for you to have it. Uh, but uh, John 11 is where we're going today. And uh, this is one of those moments in Scripture where uh, it reminds me of sometimes, you know, uh, friends uh, that do things for us. I don't know if you've ever had a, had a friend that was willing to stick their neck out, maybe go somewhere or do something for you that in the end really could like get them in massive trouble. I don't know if you have any friends that are willing to get in trouble. I have several friends who are willing to get in trouble. And I'm not sure that they're willing to get in trouble for me, but I know they're willing to get in trouble. Uh, but uh, uh, in this situation of, of the passage that we're talking about today, uh, there, there is a situation here where Jesus has opportunity to go to some place that could get him in trouble. In fact, I, just, I, would, I would like to just go ahead and jump in this and read it together. Um, and uh, by the way, just uh, thank you. I know Jeff said something earlier, but thank you to uh, all the folks that are watching online. Uh, I have just, uh, even just the last few weeks, have had several people talk to me uh, you know about just how meaningful that is because of health problems or different things that uh, or they're on vacation and they're gone on the road but they're watching when they're uh, on their way back home or you know whatever so uh, thank you thank you so much for letting us know and, and please do let us know when you're watching and you can comment and, and that kind of thing but uh, uh, anyway the the passage that we're looking at today John 11 uh, in verse 1 and and this is a passage about a guy named Lazarus and uh, the thing that you need to know about Lazarus uh, is, uh, other than what we'll read here in just a second, is that he was a friend of Jesus. You know, and I, I think that, you know, I mean, that, that's a statement that like we like to use or something like that we're friends of Jesus. You know, that sounds, that sounds really good. Uh, like he's like a friend, like he's the friend, like he might call to ask a question, you know, kind of thing. Like they're friend friends. Uh, in fact, if you go... Uh, and look at the it, go and look at the history between Jesus and not just Lazarus, but uh, Lazarus's family. Uh, you know, his sisters were Mary and Martha, and Mary and Martha are the ones that uh, you know. Uh, uh, one of them wipes Jesus's feet. Uh, the other one gets mad for her using all the stuff on his feet. Remember all that? 
you know, that's, that's the same deal. And so, like, when he would go to Jerusalem, when Jesus would go to Jerusalem, a lot of times he would go and hang out with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and, and sometimes stay uh, at their home. And so, I mean, it was, it was one of those kind of deals. You got some of those friends that, like, when they come to town, uh, they're willing to come and, like, you know, crash on your couch or whatever. Well, that's, that's the kind of relationship that they had here. So just knowing that going into this, I think, is helpful. Uh, John 11, verse 1, it says this. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said the illness, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And we'll stop right here because I think there's a couple things here I think worth mentioning. Uh, you know, first of all, uh, the family, of course, is close to Jesus. We just talked about that. But, uh, you know, you have that they live in Bethany. Well, Bethany uh, is just outside of Jerusalem, was just outside of Jerusalem. I don't believe it's called that anymore. As a matter of fact, and I think this is interesting, and please forgive me, I'm glad to try to get this information to you later if you really want it. Uh, but the city that we believe was Bethany was renamed, and the name itself is based off of the name Lazarus because it is so famed for what would happen in this passage of Scripture, which I think, I think is an interesting thing because I think if we're really honest with ourselves sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I think we're a little guilty of like reading Scripture and hearing Scripture and we're like, well, that's nice. That's a nice, that's a nice story. No, no, no. It's nice history. You know, and, and, I, and I think even just, you know, that little piece of that was just kind of like this reminder for me of like, oh yeah, like this really happened, okay? And this is, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. So Bethany, a little less than two miles outside of Jerusalem, uh, and, and Jesus, uh, you know, states that Lazarus's illness uh, is not going to lead to death. In fact, he says, uh, you know, the illness uh, does not lead to death. death for, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So right there is a clue for us. Right there is a clue. And the clue for us in that passage of Scripture right here where Jesus is saying this is showing us that Jesus has a plan. Jesus has a plan. That is so hard for us to see especially in the middle of something like a loved one with an illness. I, I know multiple people, multiple people right now who have just lost loved ones. I mean, multiple people within our church alone who have lost loved ones recently. Um, you know, to, to watch a loved one go through sickness and then to lose them, I mean, it's just, it's, it's heart-wrenching. You know, it's so hard. Uh, I, for one, hate losing people. I'm one of those people that, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I can know you've gone to be with the Lord and I'm still just so dang selfish. I'm just like, you know, weeping at your casket and like, I don't want you to go, you know, like, can't you just stay for a little longer, you know, kind of thing, you know, Jesus will be seen in this passage doing something that we don't see him do anywhere else in scripture having to do with that. 
I want to go on verse 5 there. It says, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? Like, I mean, like, you know, normally it's like, oh, we get the news, and then what? Like, we're off. We're going. We're going to go be with the family. We're going to go be with Lazarus. And, and in general, like, they've sent word to Jesus because they want Jesus to do something. Because he's Jesus, right? You know, they want him to do something. They want him to pull a rabbit out of a hat. And it goes on in verse 7. And instead of just taking off, he, st- he stays two days where he is before he goes. And in verse 7 it says, Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. And now Jesus had spoken of his death. But they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to the fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. There's some crazy cool stuff in this passage. You have this light and dark thing starting out where Jesus is talking about, you know, hey, we're going to go, you know, this is what we're going to do, you know, and immediately the disciples are like, what are you talking about? Like those, we can't go there. Those people just, they just wanted to kill you. We can't do that. Why would we do that? That's, that's incredibly stupid. I mean, we can't, you know, we can't risk your life, Jesus, Right? Jesus' response is this whole light and dark thing. And he's like, you know, you know what, what are you talking about? If anyone walks in the day, does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. And what he's getting at here is he's talking about the fact that he knows the will of the Father, the plan that God has for him, and that for him to not do that would be to step into darkness. And I, I think I like need a sign or something that like says that to me. You know, that like any moment in my life when I'm thinking that like I know better than God and I'm going to do it my way instead of God's way, that I just need, I need a little sign that's like, are you really going to step into darkness? Question mark, you know, like I, you know, I just, I just don't think that we, we think that way and we realize that us walking off from the plan and the will of the Lord at times in our lives, when He gives us opportunity to do something, is stepping into darkness. But that's what Jesus is alluding to here. He's like, he's basically saying to them, look, God's got a plan. This is for the Father. We're going to do this. It's for His glory. It's for my glory. It's going to be good. And then He goes through the whole, like, you know, they think that He's saying that Lazarus is taking a nap. 
Lazarus is not taking a nap. Lazarus is dead. And Jesus knows he's dead, and he doesn't have to have anybody come tell him he's dead. If you noticed, he's just like, yeah, Lazarus is dead at this point. You know, and, and the disciples are still like, what are you, what? You know, and he's like, yeah, no, he's, he's not asleep. I didn't mean sleep like that. He said, I meant sleep like he's dead. And then he says the weirdest thing. Do you notice that in verse 15? After he he says, then Jesus told them plainly, verse 14, Lazarus has died. Then in verse 15, he says this, which seems very odd. It says, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. And it's like, what? What? Jesus, what is Jesus saying? He's glad he wasn't there when Lazarus died so that the disciples might believe? What in the world does that mean? Of course, he's not going to tell them right now. And I'm not going to tell you right now either. Na na da boo boo. <laughs> it says, but let us go to him. So then Thomas called the twins, said to the fellow disciples, let us go, let us also go, that we may die with him. So here's Thomas, like, you know, looking at the other disciples, he's like, dudes, you guys need to chill. This is Jesus. He knows the way. He wants to walk in the light. We don't want to walk in the darkness. Let's follow Jesus. Let's just go with him and we'll die too. He's like, this is a suicide mission, basically, at this point. You know, and, and he's like, look, Jesus is probably going to die and we're probably going to die with him. Let's just go. It is what it is. And so they go. They go. And I think to myself about all the things in my life where I feel like the Lord has led me to do something at times when I've, you know, not wanted to step out, you know. It's funny, you know, you can do something, you know, for your whole life almost and then still at times have trouble doing it, you know, things that you do for the Lord. You know, one of the things that I, I really, I just, I'm be a little honest with you here today. Uh, you know, one of the things that I do is that when somebody comes and, and visits with us at 24, if you fill out a card, uh, I, I call you, generally speaking. And, but every once in a while, like, I'll, I'll get the cards and, I, and I'm like, I, it's like, I don't know if I'm anxious about it or whatever, but, you know, not everybody is like good at just like, hey, I'm just going to cold call this person I've never met in my life and be like, hey, what's up? What can I do for you? Because usually they're like, why are you calling me? I'm in the middle of work right now, you know. And, and it, work, it works out. It's all good. And, and generally speaking, people are very grateful, you know, when I do it. Whatever. And, and eventually I get around to do it. But sometimes I like, I like let them sit there, you know. And I'm like, I got I to gotta call, call those people, okay. And I want to, like I really want to. But like, I don't know. Again, anxiety, I don't, I don't have any idea. I'm not super anxious as a person in general, I don't think. But I mean, you know, it's just, it's just odd like little things like that, that we struggle to follow the Lord in, that he's obviously given us, led us to, you know, wants us to do whatever. And then in the midst of that, then you read something like this, and it's like Thomas is like, hey guys, let's just go die with him. And I mean, in general, that's actually what we've been called to do. Jesus says what? Take up your cross and follow me. And we're over here going, oh gosh, I don't know if I should invite this family that I know loves me and I love them and I see them every single day of my life. And 
you know, wait, maybe I should invite them to church. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't say anything. Maybe they'll think I'm a wacko. No, they already think you're a wacko, okay? So it's okay, you know? But that's, you know, we play these games with ourselves, right? So Jesus says this, you know, for your sake I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you may believe. Now we're going to see what that looks like. Verse 17, we pick up the passage and it says this. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Four days, okay? And it says, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them for concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. What a great passage. What a great passage. The passage starts out with, you know, kind of this like, here's what's up with Mary and Martha. You know, we're basically like four days into a funeral at this point, all right? And, and you know, just so that you have some understanding, like it was common practice uh, that at a certain point, you know, the family would go and be in the home and basically just set in the home. And everybody in that culture knew that they would be setting at home waiting on people to come by and basically mourn with them, console them, you know, weep with them, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. And so, you know, first we see, obviously, Martha takes off. She's going, she finds out Jesus is coming. She's like, I'm going to see Jesus. And Mary's, you know, Mary's just still staying at the house. It's not a bad thing that Mary stayed at the house, seated at the house, it says in verse 20. Uh, that's just what they were supposed to be doing. And so she continues to do that, uh, you know. And then, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, you know, listens to Martha. Martha gives her whole, like, you know, plea of, like, Jesus, if you'd been here, you could have fixed this. And now he's dead. Kind of plea, okay? And, I, you know, we can't blame her for feeling that way. Obviously, they're super tight with the Son of God, the creator of the universe, you know? And so, you know, she's like, you know, I really thought that you would have, you know, helped us out here on this one, Jesus. But hey, then again, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus says to her in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha's misunderstanding Jesus. There's a lot of misunderstanding Jesus in this whole passage. If you hadn't picked up on that. It's funny how that works out. Martha thinks that Jesus is talking about in 
the return, Christ's return, and, and all the Jewish culture believed at that point in time, you know, that, uh, that everyone, all just people, uh, would rise again for, you know, a second life, an eternal life kind of thing. Uh, you know, but, but Jesus, is, is, Jesus is talking not about that. He's not talking about, you know, when He comes back and, you know, how, you know, we as believers will, you know, rise again with the Lord and all those types of things. No, no, he's, he's being more specific than that. He says in verse 24, Mark's, well, verse 24, we'll read it again. It says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then on 25, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I, I spent, I can't tell you how much time I spent just praying over that verse. That part of that verse. Just saying, Lord, help me to understand what you want me to understand about that. And I think, honestly, he's still, still helping me to understand. I mean, like, we, we hear that. Like, we know, you know, we've heard, we, maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've heard Jesus say that before. You know, we see uh, elsewhere Jesus say, uh, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Very similar, you know, in passage. But here... Jesus says in her response to her thinking that he's talking about Lazarus being resurrected in the return of Christ, that he's saying, no, no, I am the resurrection and the life. He's like, I am these things. I'm not doing these things. I am these things. This is an I am statement. You know, there's something special about that. And then he goes on and he unpacks that just a little bit and he says this, he says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then he goes on verse 26 and says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asks her that. I, I, lo I love that. I love this, I love this interaction. Obviously, again, they're very close. He's being very frank with her in this moment. She's lost her brother. She's in a terrible moment in life. She is not in a happy place. And now she's got Jesus standing there who she thought would come and raise her brother from the dead. And instead of doing that, he stayed a couple of days later and, you know, whatever he was doing, extra time on the beach or something. And then he purposely waits that out because he knows the timing. He knows the timing. May that be a reminder for us today. Something not happening in your time frame, you know? I, you know, the most famously thing I hear, especially from grown men, you know, when they're talking to me about things in their lives, is, you know, the statement of, I'm not where I thought I would be. I'm not where I thought I would be. God has His timing. His hand is on the throttle. And Jesus is just here saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. And He looks at her and He says, Do you believe this? Do you believe this? 
And her response is gold. Her response rival that of a lot of Christians 2,000 years later that have all the Scripture to look at and study. Yes, Lord, I believe that You are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Do you believe this? Do you? I hope so. I hope that you believe this. I hope that you have believed upon Jesus to be all that and everything more that we never even knew that He could be because that's who He is. And that's who He wants to be in your life. But there takes a moment stepping into faith. God pulling on our heartstrings. God helping us to see that we have a need. That we need a Savior. And then a response from us. And that response isn't for us to just do tons and tons of great stuff. You know, and try to be good people and good Samaritans and all that kind of stuff. That happens as an outpouring of a life changed. God wants to change our lives through us knowing Christ as our Savior. Martha understood this. Well, what's going on with Mary? Let's check out that verse 28. It says, when she had, time, when she had said this, she went, and saw, she went and called uh, her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here. Is the teacher is here and is calling for you. And that was a common you know, term that a lot of Christ's disciples would call him teacher. And then it says, and when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw Him, she fell at His feet, saying, Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died. Sound familiar? Pretty sure they probably said that to each other a few times before he made it there. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And in verse 35, famous, shortest verse in all of Scripture. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? It's always those people in the crowd, right? We've always got those people in the crowd. Uh, I think Deb said it one time, don't read the comments. You know, I mean, like, how can we just like, just not like we scroll, we see something, we're like, oh yeah, you know, I wonder what everybody's saying about that. It's like, no, don't do it. You know, always those people. Mary reacts to Jesus just as Martha did. If you had been here, you know, you could have done something about this, right? And then we see Jesus as he's joined now with the sisters 
and they're on their way to the tomb, we see Jesus says He was deeply moved, verse 33, He was deeply moved in His Spirit. And that, that in His Spirit's not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about His human spirit, okay? And, and so it, this, is, this is giving us a glimpse, maybe more so than we get in a lot of Scripture, of like Jesus the man, okay? We're getting a little bit more of a glimpse than what we usually get from, from that standpoint. But he was deeply moved and greatly troubled, it says right here. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a few minutes. It says, and, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus just cries. He cries. And, and in this moment, I'm just imagining, I'm trying to imagine, you know, like what it, what it must be like for Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, to have this moment where his, his loved one was lost. But, but honestly, that's not the only thing at play here. Not just that his loved one was lost, but that he sees these other loved ones suffering. Okay? And there's, there's another piece of that that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. We're not going to go there yet with the whole like deeply moved, greatly troubled piece that is something that's not quite so surface level that I want us to hit in just a minute. But basically, he takes this moment and he just cries. And I'm imagining being like... <laughs> can you imagine being the creator of the universe? And like everything is at your command but yet you're still so deeply moved as a person that he has this huge compassion about him that he is moved literally to tears in this moment watching his other loved ones suffer through this moment. Now, granted, did he know that they were going to suffer? Yep. Could he have kept them from suffering? Yep. He stayed two extra days, right? I mean, both sisters are like, bro, why couldn't you have been here? We sent for you. You stayed there. And here he is crying. Isn't that a little strange? It's not once you begin to see the full picture of what's going on. Jesus is compassionate. God is compassionate. For what you're going through right now, He cares about you. He is suffering with you. He loves you. He doesn't want you to have to suffer. He realizes that we need to at times. And He realizes that parts of life are just part of that. But there's a truth that we're going to unpack in just a minute that I think is, is unbelievable and so great for us to hear. Today. I want to go on verse 38. It says this. It says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, okay, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by the time there, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you? Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up His eyes and said, Father, 
I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you, I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on the account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Now, let me stop there. We'll come back to some of this. First of all, Jesus never, we don't hear Jesus verbally ask the Father to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jesus is so in tune with the Father in his heart in his head, that he's talking with him on his own without using his words out loud for other people to hear to the point that he starts off the prayer at this point that the, that the stone is being taken away from the thing and instead of going, Father, I command this man to walk again. Give him life right now or whatever it is. He doesn't do that. Instead, he thanks the Lord. He thanks the Father. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He's already prayed it in his heart. The Father's already heard it. And the Father's at work. And he said, I knew that you always hear me, and I said this on the account of the people staying around that they may believe that you sent me. Is it starting to maybe make more sense about what he was saying to the disciples? I'm glad that I wasn't there. Remember that? I'm glad I wasn't there. Here's why. Because this was all supposed to happen the way it's happening here. That you may believe that, that they may believe that you sent me, he says, verse 42. Verse 43 says, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, to them, unbind him and let him go. Four days. Four days he was dead. He didn't have to be dead four days, right? I mean, Jesus could have gone and, you know, helped out this situation a lot sooner, maybe a lot less suffering. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. Got it. You need to understand something. There's a couple things at play here. Jesus is timing this so that everybody in the situation, and I mean everybody in the situation, I mean from Mary and Martha down to all the Jews that are around to the disciples. It's a good thing that, you know, I wasn't there because you wouldn't have believed. We're going to make sure that you believe is basically what he's telling the disciples in that statement earlier in the passage. Jesus wanted them to be sure that he was dead. Chris, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. In Jewish culture at that time, a very common understood thing that was believed by most any Jew, Jewish person at that point in time was that the spirit of a person after someone died still hovered over the body for three days. And for three days... If the Spirit decided to rejoin with the body and life come again, then so be it. But after three days, you knew they were dead. <laughs> Jesus wasn't staying two extra days for a little more vacation. Jesus was staying the exact amount of time to get past the day in which they might believe, oh no, he was never really dead. Because Jesus is no dummy. And he's trying to make a point. And that point is 
that God's glory conquers all things. He's moved and troubled. He's moved and troubled again in this passage. I told you we're going to come back to that. He's moved and troubled. He's, in fact, if you take this and really kind of you know study the wording of the Greek in this passage, you could easily translate one of these words into being even angered. Angered. Moved, troubled, angered. What? Why is Jesus upset? about this. I mean, okay, yeah, he lost his friend. Is he mad at Mary and Martha? You know? No. No, he's not mad at them. You know what he's mad at? He's mad at death. He's reminded in this moment, as he's about to go to a tomb, he's reminded in this moment there is this thing that has come in the world that wasn't part of his original creation, but a result of the fall of man and his sin, which is death. Jesus, Jesus' stomach turns at the thought of this. Jesus recognizes that death is still lingering around, but yet also reminded that He Himself has come to defeat it. Moved and troubled is him being reminded of this awful thing that is his enemy. Just like sin. This thing that wreaks havoc on the world, this thing that came as a result of sin. Not Jesus. Not a part of the original creation. And so he's heartbroken. And this thing he has come to overcome and beat, and he will, and he has. I can't help but wonder, you know, if being close friends with Jesus didn't cause this family a little extra suffering in life. You know? Like I'm thinking from Jesus' standpoint, obviously Jesus chose for this to happen. He allowed this to happen in the life of these people that he loved? Was he just like, you know, maybe he didn't like the meatloaf they made the last time he was there or something? I don't know. He's like, I'm going to get them. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I wonder, Jesus, if Jesus didn't already know, I know he already knew because we don't have to wonder about that, already knew Martha's heart he already knew what she was going to say when he asked her, do you believe this? He already knew what she would say. He already knew that if her brother was one to die, that in that moment, he would have opportunity to be invited to come and do something about it in his illness and then in his death, but then also that it wouldn't, it wouldn't shake her faith. Her faith is not shaken, right? And we've all had moments in life where our faith is shaken. Martha's faith is not shaken here. Her brother is dead at this point and her faith is not shaken. She's still trusting in the Lord. Oh yeah, no, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you are the one that's coming to the world uh, to save us. You're the God. Jesus knew that they could handle it. 
He knew that they would want to be a part of this moment in time that would glorify God and would glorify the Son. Through this passage, I can't help but be reminded of this passage that many of us know. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Not perish, but have eternal life. One of my favorite, it might be, I don't know, it's hard to say like a favorite song or even a genre, you know, like I, you know, I have like, I love lots of music from all kinds of genres, but you know, the, the, you know, one of my favorite rap songs is a song by a group called Cross Movement. And the song is called Forever. And the whole premise of that song in fact, the chorus is, we're going to live forever. When I was been studying this and saw Jesus' wording from verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I thought about that. I thought about that. Shall never die biggest question that I have for you today is do you believe this? Do you believe this? Have you put your trust in Jesus? Do you believe that He's the Son of God? Do you believe He died for our sins on the cross? Do you believe He rose again defeating death? on our behalf that we may never die. I'll ask what Jesus asked Martha that day. Do you believe this? Maybe today for the first time you realize that you need to believe. Maybe today you realize that you need a Savior. We all do. Nobody's perfect. We all need Him. Maybe today you don't think about it anymore, but you step out on faith. You trust. You believe. And you ask Jesus to take control. And I'll tell you what. If you want to talk to somebody about that, if you want somebody to pray with you about that, I'm going to go out there in that foyer. And when they're playing the song, you can come out there and join me. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. If you want to put your trust in Christ today and you feel God leading you to do so for the first time in your life, I'd love to talk and pray with you about that. I'll read it one more time. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. Do you believe this? Let's pray. God, I pray for probably the multiple people who are listening to this right now online, who are sitting right here in this room, who have never trusted in You, never believed in You to be their Savior. God, I pray that today would be the day that You would do something in their heart to help them to see their need for You. 
their need for a Savior. God, I pray that you do something in their heart that doesn't feel like guilt, but God feels like conviction, God, that comes from you, not from me, not from anybody else. God, I pray, Lord, that you, you would work, that you would do something special to help them see their need for Jesus. God, thank you for the promise. Thank you for the reminder for us as believers today that we will never die. That we will live forever. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be mindful of that in the relationships of the people that you give us, you put around us. It's all intentional. And Lord, I pray that we would trust in you and in your timing to do the things that you want to do and how you want to do them. Lord, an extra two days in our life, what is that? God, I pray, Lord, that you would use us. Use us so that others might know who you are. God, speak to the heart of anyone that's wavering on trusting you today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would do something in their life. God, may they come speak to me or someone else. God, do this work. May it all be for your glory. We ask this in your son's name.